This episode is marked for sensitive content. Please check content warnings in the episode description before listening. This week on The Breakup Breakdown. So when I got out of the marriage, I thought, yeah, no, I'm totally, I'm good. You know, I'm so good. In fact, I could just start dating tomorrow. In hindsight, don't do that. He proposed very quickly. We were only married maybe nine months. He ended up getting to know my first ex-husband. Then I find out that ex number two is also seeing this partner that ex number one is also still dating. Rapple. Thruple, thruple. That was my internal monologue when I found the submission for this week's episode because I feel like every time there is some kind of trio involved, it's going to be a good episode. Hey, what's up? It's Abby from The Breakup Breakdown. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. Hey, if you've got a breakup story you want to tell or if there's always been one you're curious about, don't forget that submission form is in the episode description. You can find us on Instagram at Breakup Breakdown Podcast. And if you want to jump to a certain part of the interview, you can find timestamps in the episode description. And this week, we're raising awareness for Respond Domestic Violence Services in Boston, Massachusetts. They provide a range of support services and educational programs to thousands of survivors of domestic violence. And a cool fun fact is that they were New England's first domestic violence prevention agency and the second in the nation. How cool is that? You can find out all those details in the episode description. Hey, Heartbreakers, welcome back to another episode of The Breakup Breakdown. This week's submission comes straight from TikTok, which I feel like it's been a hot second since we've had one from the For You page, which I'm so excited about. I actually found this video while I was scrolling through and I was like, oh my gosh, this looks like it's going to be such a juicy little story time. But before we get into that, I wanted to let you know that we're actually planning a breakup breakdown brunch for this summer. If you live in the Atlanta area, it's probably going to take place somewhere around here the second week in June. Nothing's official yet. We're just planning like a brunch where everyone could come. It'll be a totally free event. You'll just come, pay for your own brunch, hang out, spread some hot goss and get to meet other heartbreakers. I think it's going to be a really good time. Nothing's official, but if you want to come, definitely pencil in a brunch in Atlanta, second week in June. Okay, so now let's get into the submission. So I was scrolling through the FYP and I came across one of those video trends. I'll play the sound real quick and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about if you have a TikTok. So the very first part of that trend says, me thinking being divorced twice by 23 was enough drama. And then it flips into the dramatic part where, you know, they put on the bold glamour filter. And then it says, my two ex-husbands ending up in a thruple with each other, which you know how we feel about thruples. I feel like every time we have an episode about a thruple, it automatically goes in the Breakup Breakdown Hall of Fame. So I was already desperate to get this story on. So I was like spamming her in the comments. I said, are you interested in coming on and telling your story? And she had gotten to a little bit of it on her page, but I was like, let's get the full deets. Like, let's have a full breakdown and actually talk about what happened. So that's what we did. And we broke down this week's breakup. Next one, I actually met when I went to college right after high school. At the time I was 18, I was like straight out of high school going to college and he'd been there for a while. Uh, he was 27 at the time and we actually, we just met in a class there. What were some of the things that attracted you to this guy? So at first it was like kind of funny. He walked into the class and I, I don't know, I was like so ready to be in college. I hadn't really dated in high school very much. I was very like consumed by my academics. And so I got to college. I'm like, oh, I should like actually start dating now and I was kind of excited to actually have that experience and I remember like in all of my classes I was sort of keeping my eyes peeled for you know who might be interesting to get to know better in class and who caught my eye and he walked into one of these classes and like immediately I was just like oh I'm gonna get him to ask me out <laughs> which 
sounds like so horrible, but I was a very confident young lady. So I was I was very determined. Yeah, you got to go after what you want. I mean, if you just sit back and just kind of like let life happen, I found that nothing ever happened. So sometimes you have to um, got to play God a little bit and get things to start moving. I was ready to control my own narrative. That, that is for sure. So you spot this guy. How do you guys start getting to know each other? Do you like strike up a conversation with him? What, what happened? Yeah, so it was a very like collaborative, hands-on class. So we just naturally did end up working together quite a bit. Like the whole class intermingled quite a bit. And then it was also like in a very specific department in our school. So people would congregate all the time. We would do out of uh, school activities together and whatnot as part of our coursework. And really, I just started like striking up conversations with him whenever possible. There was this one out of class activity that he had actually offered to give me a ride. And I remember there was this one time where it all kind of backfired on me a little bit. He gave me a ride home one day because I wasn't feeling very well. And I remember being like so swooned by that because I'm like, oh, look, he cares about me. <laughs> like, this is a good sign. This little plan I'm laying, right? Every interaction at a time. And so the next time I saw him, he had said something about, oh, yeah, like if you ever need a ride again, just let me know. And I'm like, oh, that actually, thank you for offering that. I realize I don't actually have your phone number. I only have like your Facebook messenger. Maybe I should get your phone number and then I can get a hold of you easier next time. And he's like, I guess he's just that oblivious because like, oh, you could just keep messaging me on there. And it's good. <laughs> it was like my pride. And I think that's kind of where I started to ease off of like my pursuit of him because that was probably one of many failed attempts at like actually moving things along to maybe going on a date or something that had just not worked out. So it's sort of like this is like a, a full semester long effort of mine that just never really panned out. So I sort of eased off at that point. Okay, so how do you guys eventually get together? So, I mean, it's like kind of somber. I ended up getting into like pretty much like over the break. You know, we all went home for the holidays. I ended up continuing to date. And this is right around the time Tinder actually became a thing. So that everybody was like getting on the apps and all of that. So I was on there and I ended up going on a date that ended up just triggering this terrible relationship. It was like not healthy, toxic, abusive, you name it. That's what this relationship ended up being. And while I was in this relationship, I ended up, of course, changing my Facebook status to the person I was with. And ex number one ended up messaging me shortly thereafter and was like, I just saw you change your relationship status. I'm so bummed. I always wanted to ask you out. <laughs> like, And I remember straight up telling him, like, you've had so many opportunities. I've basically been throwing myself at you for months. And he was like, oh, I, I honestly just never thought you'd be interested in me because of the age difference. What's the age difference? Um, I was 18 and he was 27, so about eight years. Oh, but you guys are in, in the same year at college? Not the same year, just like similar class. Like it it wasn't like a freshman only class or something like that. It was like mixed um, disciplines. Gotcha. Okay, makes sense. Okay. So we just met at college. And my college is also, people come from like all walks of life. Like a lot of parents going back to school will go there and a lot of people fresh out of high school. So it's a very mixed bag in general. But yeah, so that's how we met. And he was like, oh, I just didn't think you'd be interested in me. I think that was like him shooting his shot, right? But then it was like, well, you know, too bad. And also too bad for me because it's not the relationship for me to be in. So I continue on this bad relationship for a while, but all the while I'm actually getting closer with ex number one, getting to know him as a friend. And then he actually became a confidant of sorts for me. And I was able to really confide in him and what I was going through. It ended up leading to him supporting me a lot emotionally as I got out of that relationship. I guess that's where it sort of takes like this dicey turn 
because immediately after exiting that one horrible relationship, ex number one honestly just starts love bombing me insanely because he's like, well, now you're out. You should be dating me. To which I responded, I don't know. It's like, it feels like a lot. You know, I just came out of this really traumatizing situation. Maybe I should take some time to like work on myself and heal a little bit before I do jump into the next. And he just started telling my friends and family he would make it like sort of a cute little joke like, oh, she won't date me. He was so charming. Everyone was so consumed by how charming he was. And then he started sending me gifts and flowers and all sorts of things. Everyone was so taken by how almost like this romance movie character he was. And so I definitely got a lot of peer pressure, not only from him, but also my friends and family, especially comparing him to the person I just recently been with. They were aghast that I wasn't just jumping at dating him. So what were some of the things you had to work through personally after that relationship prior to your first ex? What was so traumatizing about it? The whole thing that started it, like our first date ended in sexual assault, unfortunately, like just by the book. And so that was traumatizing in and of itself because that was my also like first time being with anybody. And it, I didn't even want to be with anybody at that time. And so altogether, that singular instance was traumatizing. But if he was willing to do that, it just opens up the question of what was he also willing to do, which was a lot of things, as I found out over six months. So it's just like physical abuse, verbal abuse, emotional abuse, like the gambit. So it was just like, I'm coming out of a very rough situation. Gotcha. Well, I'm sorry that happened to you. That must have been absolutely awful. And I can see why you would be so hesitant to get into this next relationship, even though from the outside, everyone else is like, well, just get over it. Like, you're not. This guy is so great. Why wouldn't you want someone to treat you well? That's probably the best case scenario for you. So Absolutely. at what point do you decide to get into this relationship with him? So we're probably talking two months in between the time I was able to separate myself from this abusive partner to when I actually sort of folded on like being obstinate about the new relationship. Because again, like I can't tell you how many times I would be on a FaceTime call with him as a friend and then he would make some joke about like, oh, so have you decided on like dating me? And like friends in the background would be like, team X, team X, like, you know, like, you know, to, to save his name, right? They're obviously yeah. not saying team X, but they just like <laughs> literally rooting for him in the most like hilarious fashion. Anyways, and then what ended up happening after that was he, I think one of the final pieces was he, in terms of love bobbing, like had saved up his big like effort. He told me he wanted to take me out so I should wear a nice dress. And so I... I got a nice dress and we got in the car and he presented me with like these pearl earrings because it was my birthstone. And he took me to like this very exclusive up at a resort restaurant that I, I didn't even know existed. And I'm a local. So I was like, like, I was blown away. And then he also had jokingly told me and like everyone around me around that same time. He's like, oh, well, I've already changed my Facebook status to in a relationship. I'm just waiting on her. To change, to change her mind or to decide to actually do it. The earrings were hidden in what looked like a ring box. So it was also sort of like, I was so nervous. I'm like, oh my gosh, what is happening? Ended up ear being earrings, thank goodness. But his family was pretty well off. Like his dad's very successful in his career. And so they definitely ended up having maybe a more financially privileged life than I did. And so I think maybe there was also a little bit of like financial guilt I felt there. Seeing all this money he spent on me in this pursuit of me like flowers, gifts, now jewelry and all these experiences. And I just started to feel, I think, a bit guilty. And so I think all of that culminated.
culminated into, okay, you know, maybe I'm just being stubborn and this is a sign that this is what I'm supposed to do. That really breaks my heart that this is what's leading you to get into this relationship because you just told me about that awful experience with your very, very first ex who forced himself on you. And now we have this guy emotionally forcing himself on you. And yeah, just very different, very different, but like, you know, equally destructive. Very, very different, but still kind of having these roots of like almost entitlement. You eventually cave, you get into this relationship with him. Are you happy in this relationship or do you honestly feel like you had gotten cornered into dating this guy? The dating wasn't wasn't bad for a while. I mean, there was obviously a pretty immediate halt of the love bombing, which again, you have to think too that I'm only 18 and he's 27. I don't have that life experience. I dated someone like briefly in my senior year and then had that abusive relationship and then him. So the like my experience with dating people in adulthood is extremely limited with him being probably my most seemingly affectionate relationship and the most quote-unquote like loving you know if you can define it that way to have that love bombing stop so suddenly became a really big hurdle for me emotionally because that's now what my still developing emotional brain is now connecting with that's what love looks like and then he just stopped it was really hard for me for a while to be like is this relationship going to crumble at any second because he hasn't done anything elaborate for me in like some on many months i guess it was sort of saved for a little bit because we started dating in the summer and then by the fall almost december winter area he proposed we were both active lds so that was the norm (laughs) and so he proposed very quickly, relatively quickly, I would say by Mormon standards. And then we had an eight eight month long engagement, which was also fairly long for an LDS couple in Utah. So a lot of our dating really took place during engagement as well. And I'd say engagement was actually one of the harder times. And I think what I didn't realize is how much trauma started to come out of me from that earlier experience, because I never had time to process. It was immediately from abusive relationship to being emotionally manipulated into a new one. While we were engaged, I think it just all started surfacing. So I was having a lot of like panic disorder issues, like a lot of panic attacks, a a lot of probably dissociation, coping with my trauma. I was going to therapy at the time, which was probably also forcing some of it to bubble up and come out. And so I was probably, you know, like very emotionally unhinged at the time, which uh, wasn't great for me while also navigating, planning a wedding, meeting and getting to know his family, also being in like a very high pressure society wrapped all up in religion. And so it was, it was a lot. It got a little tough there. And I think that's also where I started to realize like you haven't been acting the same. Like this relationship isn't anything like what I thought it was when we were dating. And so it was a pretty straining time for both of us. But I think and it sort of simmered down a couple of months before the wedding and then we got married. And so you get married and do things at any point get better or do all of these things that your experience really contribute to this relationship starting to show its true colors, essentially? Especially at the time when things were rough during the engagement. Obviously, I knew I was going through a lot of emotional difficulties, so I think it was easy for me to put a lot of that blame on myself without even realizing that some of those trauma responses might have even been triggered by the emotional manipulation that was happening the whole time. Once we got married, finally, it 
really just sort of went even further because at least in the engagement, there was a lot of like, you know, excitement and, you know, a lot of like physical affection. And then that almost immediately disappeared after. I remember thinking that was so hard and strange and what was wrong with me because everyone tells you when you're newlyweds, like, oh, you just can't keep your hands off each other. And it seemed like it was so easy for him to not want to engage with me physically. And I was so confused and hurt by that. And then he also just started like emotionally withdrawing. I remember there was just so many times where at one point this man had felt like my absolute best friend and closest connection. And then several times during our marriage, I would just sit there and I'd be like, hey, I'd feel like I completely lost myself. I didn't even know who I was at times. And then there were times where I just felt so alone. How can I be with this person so much and have had this close relationship and feel so lonely? That just really breaks my heart to hear that. I think one of the sad things about marriage, when you end up choosing someone that's not the healthiest for you, could be even more lonely than when you're single. Is there a point where you decide that being single is the healthier thing for you? Or how do you eventually get out of this marriage? The feeling lonely, honestly, was like the lightest bit of that marriage because then... It all took a turn when as I'm already feeling like disconnected in the marriage and feeling like emotionally sad about the time I'm feeling super lonely and emotionally unrested in this relationship is about the time where I find out that this fantastic man I thought I'd married um, who was going to take me on this adventure of a lifetime type of thing because he had talked such a big game during our like courtship over like all these amazing things he'd done and all these amazing things he planned to do. That just all starts unraveling. I found out that A, he wasn't even enrolled in the school that we met. Like he was lying actively, like saying that he was there. He almost had this degree and what he was going to do with that degree, only for me to find out through a sort of odd chain of events that that wasn't actually true at all. And we're talking like while we were engaged, he was supposedly still enrolled and he'd be like, oh, I'm going to classes. I'll see you later. Or when it came time for finals, I'd be like, how'd you do in your finals? And he's like, oh, I aced them all. Like, no. Didn't you guys meet in class? I'm confused. Did he drop yeah. out after that class or what's the timeline there? Like I said, this was like a smaller department that was very just like hands on. And since he had a certain set of skills and knew the professors from when he, he had been enrolled for like one semester, mind you, while I was still in high school. So well before we ever met. So he just knew the professors and like the department was really small and like underdeveloped. So they just didn't care. They just needed people there to participate. So he he was just getting away with it. So that was the big one. I remember being so shaken because it didn't come from him. Like I found out and then I confronted him about it and he kept denying it. Like, oh, this is a clerical error. I don't know what they did with my records. Like finally comes clean about it. And I'm like, we can move past this. I'm happy to do the work to overcome this because this is a huge betrayal, but we can work through this. Is there anything else I should know now? Tell me the truth now and then we can just start fresh. And he was like, no, you know everything. I did not know everything. Is it turns out because it, it just came out later that like all those amazing things he'd done that he told me about were all lies to make himself sound more important than he was. Loans he'd taken out right before we got married that he just conveniently didn't tell me about and never paid on and then continued to refuse to tell me where he spent any of that money. The list goes on. It ended up coming to this point where it was like I was emotionally unhappy. I felt lonely. I felt a little bit swindled because I wasn't receiving any of this affection. I felt had sort have been promised to me during dating of what this relationship was going to look like going forward. So none of that was there. And I think, honestly, he was probably also retreating into himself, knowing that he had just 
gotten himself permanently into a situation under false pretenses and that eventually it was going to all come out, which it did. And so I think that sort of added to him being very uninvolved and making me feel lonely. And I just remember thinking through all the lies and everything and just, I call it my matrix moment. I had this really hard time, like I had to reevaluate what was actually reality to me because everything I thought that was real ended up being a lie because he was my whole life at the time. I remember just sitting on that and thinking, do I stay five more years to give it an honest shot? But then to have nothing change because mind you, like time and time again, I was like, just tell me all the truth. Tell me everything I need to know. And then we can actually start to process and heal and work through it. And he obstinately would not do that. So I was like, you're backing me into a corner. And really the only choice I'm left with at this point is to leave. Did you have the courage to leave or did he convince you to stay? Did he tell you things were going to get better? Or is that where this actually comes to a close? Yeah, there was definitely a lot of promises, but just not a lot of action items coming from him on that. You would expect that if you get caught in doing something horrible like that, you're almost going to overcompensate with like working so hard to make someone stay with you. He just didn't. He would be like, oh, I'll try harder and then would actually not even try harder, not even for a little bit. So I did actually have to be the one to like sit him down. This is all around the holidays, which I think all makes it all a little bit more bittersweet. I remember going and I was going to go make Christmas cookies with my mom. And I was so scared of what my parents were going to think because I was so young. I'd been married almost a year and a half. And especially being LDS at the time, it was just frowned upon because you get married for eternity. That's what you believe you're doing. And so to not be meeting that expectation, I just felt sort of like a failure. And like, how could I have been so stupid not to see what he did ahead of time? In hindsight, 2020, right? Like I look back and I'm like, of course they were lies. Of course they were. How did I not see that? But again, he had everyone else fooled. So I guess I'll give myself that consolation prize. I remember going to my mom though and I was like, mom, what if I got a divorce for literally like stirring the cookie batter? And like, I dropped that on her. <laughs> like, like, oh yeah, I love the way these are turning out. Also, mom, I'm thinking of getting a divorce. <laughs> like casual like Christmas conversation. I know, I know. She was honestly not as surprised as I expected her to be. I think she actually had observed a lot of unhappiness in me and was also sort of unimpressed with what he had actually been doing with himself for the past couple of years, like not going to school, like he had said, not pursuing a meaningful career, also being significantly older than me and not being more established. Anyway, so she actually was very supportive and my mom's been divorced in the past too. So she was, um, she was sort of like walking me through what that experience might be like and reassuring me that my parents would support me through the transition. So they were actually very supportive. My mom was like, you should probably wait until after the holidays to chat with him about it. I'm horrible. Once I have something like that kicking around in my head, I have to talk about it. So I go home thinking, okay, I'm not going to say anything. I walk in the door and I'm like, we need to sit down and talk. <laughs> so immediately. We sit down and I pretty much just propose it to him. Like, look, it either has to get better or I'm going to leave. Like, it's just those, that's what's going to happen. And it can get better in a few months. Or if it doesn't, like, I'm, I'm just not going to. And we're going to go to marriage counseling. And so he was like, okay, we're going to do this. So we get through the holidays. January comes. We go to our first marriage counseling session. I tell her absolutely everything because I'm like, we are going to be completely open about all of this. And this marriage counselor is looking at me with like a deer in the headlights kind of look of like, go, like run. Like they can't, marriage counselors won't often tell you to like divorce people or leave. And mind you, he's sitting like right next to me, just like silently nodding his head and in, in acknowledgement 
document of what he's done. And I could just see it in her eyes. And she's like, well, and I can. And I just remember that was so impactful to me, seeing this look in this woman's eyes that's probably heard some doozies in her time from various couples. And I, it just was like this look of pure shock. What did she observe from your counseling session that made her go? That was just like the look after because I just sat down like, here's the situation. Basically, just in very similar way of what everything I just told you and probably in greater detail at the time, too. And she just like had this look where it was like, I don't think you're coming back from this. Like That's kind of what I took a- took away from it. We walked away from the session. I just knew it's over. And so it was maybe like a couple weeks later, or a week later that I told him I officially wanted a divorce. And I promptly moved out into an apartment with some other school students because I was still I was going to school. <laughs> and so were you 19, by the way? I would have been 21. 21, freshly divorced. The, of course, yeah. the first thing one does is you move into <laughs> your first apartment with a bunch of roommates. It's almost like yeah. backwards, like you're Benjamin buttoning it. I so, was. I was. <laughs> were you traumatized by that experience or had you already spent so much time working through it during the marriage that once it ended, it was more of a relief? See, that's what I thought for a long time is that I've, you know, because things were bad for a while in like multiple ways and it's not like I all the lies came out at once. They came out gradually over time. So I did have some time to sort of take it in my stride. So when I got out of the marriage, I thought, yeah, no, I'm totally, I'm good. Um, You know, I'm so good. In fact, I could just start dating tomorrow. <laughs> in hindsight, don't do that. But that is what I did. And I really thought that I was just fine, that I'd spent all this time coping in my relationship, that I, I'd worked through it, which I really hadn't. I, I didn't even anticipate the effect of having your reality distorted like that to you for so long and then to just come crashing down what that would do to you because in a lot of ways looking back now I feel a lot more this sounds so crazy to say I think I feel a lot more resentment to my first ex-husband and what he did to me than the person that assaulted me because it just felt so much more calculated you know it was so much more intentional in a way and spread over a long period of time and I don't know sometimes that almost hurts me more and like also guised in friendship and caring as well. So I think sometimes that almost hurts a little more, even though those are both incredibly painful experiences I've been through. If you would describe your first husband as intentional in the way that he hurt you, how would you describe your very first ex that we talked about earlier? How would you describe that kind of pain? It's finally not a miserable temperature outside, which only means one thing. Summer is coming up. And let's make one thing clear. There is Hibernation Abbey and there is Summer Abbey. And Summer Abbey likes to feel light and healthy. That's why I've been trying out meals from Factor. They've got meals shipped to your house that are super easy to heat up in a jiffy. And you're probably like, ew, refrigerated meal. That must be so unhealthy and gross. No, I can confirm these are delicious and they have so many different options like calorie smart, keto, protein plus, or vegan and veggie. You can also add on more than 60 add-ons every single week, like breakfast, on-the-go lunch, snacks, and beverages to help you stay fueled and feel good all day long. You get chef-prepared meals on the table in two minutes with Factor's ready-to-eat meals so you can get back to doing what you love this spring and you don't have to clean anything up. Head to factormeals.com slash breakup50 and use code breakup50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code breakup50 at factormeals.com slash breakup50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Eating better is just one of the things that makes me feel better. And you know what also makes me feel better? 
not having to clean up my kitchen when I just want to eat. This living alone thing is great until you realize you're responsible for all the cooking and cleaning around the apartment. And something that's been really helpful for me around mealtime is Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You've got over 35 different options to choose from each week, including Calorie Smart. Protein Plus and Keto. Each meal takes about two minutes to heat up and there's so many yummy options like pancakes, smoothies, and more. Also, you know I love an afternoon snack and there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor's also super flexible, so if you want to pause and skip for a couple of weeks, you can totally do that. Head to factormeals.com slash breakup50 and use code breakup50 to get 50% off. That's code breakup50 at factormeals.com slash breakup50 to get 50% off. If you're like me and the second you get home from work, you are ravenous. You are going to love these new meals I've been trying out from Factor. Factor has delicious, ready-to-eat meals that you can make in two minutes with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian-approved meals delivered right to your door. It's so convenient. I have like grocery store ADHD. Anytime I go to like Publix or something, I'm buying everything. And then I come home with no meals. Whereas Factor, it's all the meal prep done for you. You've got 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan and veggie, and so much more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. If you want to get started today and have a feel good week of meals ready to go, head to factormeals.com slash breakup50 and use code breakup50 to get 50% off. That's code breakup50 at factormeals.com slash breakup50 to get 50 off. Ah, there was definitely like a physical pain element to it. It was almost like I viewed him. <laughs> I don't know if this is bad to say or not. I guess I, I guess it's warranted at this point. I guess I viewed him more like an animal in the way that he hurt people. Some people are just dangerous and that's just their danger. And I think yeah. that's kind of how I internalized being able to cope with some of the things he did is that it was just like a dangerous animal. I was going to make that assumption. Sort of like if a dog bit you. Like exactly. How it really hurt. I'm it's gonna take some time to recover from this but at the end of the day like I know that's a dog where yeah. you get slapped in the face or like punched in the gut by someone you've known for a long time it's almost like what the hell do that exactly so you start dating again is this when you meet husband number two it is and very quickly like i was divorced and moved out i mean i guess my divorce was processing both of my divorces were non-contested no legal anything it was literally we just both signed a paper and sent it in for all intents and purposes it was said and done like we're just waiting on the legals of it to just process so i did start dating again i met my second ex he was so similar in personality lies excluded to my first ex-husband. Similar interests, similar sense of humor, even had like a few like physical traits that they resembled each other. So it was very much a band-aid of the hurt I was probably feeling from ex-husband number one and almost like just this natural draw to want to fill that void. Because I guess the important thing to note here, too, is that there were two different people I was married to in the first marriage. There was the idea that and the 
image of a person that had been painted and written for me in the courtship in the love bombing, which is who I fell in love with and who I'd sort of based this like prospect of a life together with. And then there's the person I was actually with, which is who I divorced. So I was very much still in love with this idea of X number one in my head that I was trying to work through. So I think my brain just sort of gravitated to the closest solution of replacing that person. So X number two felt a lot like the idea of X number one that you had in your head. Very misguidedly, yes. Like absolutely was not the reincarnation of this fictional character I was in love with. But yeah, I think that's where I was headed with it. Was he, did he end up actually being like that at all? Or did you find out that, ah, yes, this person is in fact also a real human who's... Yeah, yeah. Like very much not as like inherently problematic as first ex-husband, but also since they were very similar in their actual personalities, I some of the similar problems I had interpersonally with ex number one also started reappearing within that relationship. Did you also end up marrying and divorcing him within like a similar timeline? Was it like a four month dating and then an eight month engagement? We got engaged. So we met in the spring, the early spring, got engaged by that summer and were married by that winter. So it was actually ironically flip flopped in the previous marriage. I'd had a longer engagement because I was engaged in the winter, married in the summer. So this was a shorter engagement where we were engaged in the summer, married in the winter. Not a good move on my behalf. In a lot of ways, I will look back at these experiences and I can fully own up to second marriage was not a good idea, not a good coping mechanism. I always say now as a joke, I'm like, If I can give anyone one piece of advice from that experience, it's don't marry your rebound. It didn't work out very well. And then um, there's really not a lot to say about second marriage. It was just really like it was a rebound. Like if we were living in a different culture, because again, both LDS and we were both coming out of um, bad relationships in very different ways, obviously. And so I think we sort of clung to each other both in the midst of heartbreak and then also getting deeper into our religion also helped with that healing of heartbreak. We were just like, okay, we're going to get married because that's what you do when you're a part of this religion. And so that's that's what we did. And um, in the midst of all of that, it was just sort of like, yeah, this relationship that was used as a coping me- mechanism mutually and then just didn't end up being a compatible situation for marriage and a long-term compatibility because the longer... We were only married probably um, maybe nine months. So no, I was very short. And I was also divorced and remarried within the same year and then nine months after the second marriage yeah realizing because things just got had a nasty really quick between us just again trauma coming to the surface realizing people aren't exactly who you think they are or maybe you're not as compatible as you thought initially and yeah just kind of watching that fall apart we were fighting all the time it's not it never should have been a marriage it wasn't gonna last as a marriage and so I remember I actually Again, as I do, I I went to see my parents. They were out of state. Um, I decided to take some time and again, had to propose to them. (laughs) But it's like, yeah, I'm back to making her house cookies. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm like, I might have screwed up on this one. Um, This was not a good idea. Yeah. And so I came back from being gone for maybe like two weeks with a decision. 
and basically immediately upon coming home, told him, we're, we're going to get a divorce. When you told your parents you were going to get married for the second time, did they try to stop you at all? Uh, people definitely asked questions like, are you are you sure you're ready? Which is where I had that like rationale like loaded up. Look, guys, I, I've been unhappy for a long time in that in that marriage. Like I did my coping. I did my processing of the situation. Like I'm good. And so people just sort of took that, like nodded and were like, oh, I guess that makes sense and just carried on with that as my explanation. Was ex-husband number two kind of on the same page and was like, yeah, we should probably get divorced when you brought it to him? I think he he wasn't like happy about it as much. No one's happy about like the idea of divorce. I'm trying to remember, but he definitely wasn't happy. And actually so much so that we didn't even quite start with the divorce talk. It was, we were, we're going to be separated first. Like we need some time away from each other. But then I think within like a month or two, it just ended up being like, no, this isn't going to work out, especially because it was within that month or two that he ended up getting to know my first ex-husband through a shared mutual activity they ended up participating in. And they kind of became friends, which is just triggered this like hurt in me because he knew like ex-husband number two absolutely knew everything this man had done with me. And he was living through seeing the trauma come out from that relationship. So he was even witnessing the effects of it firsthand. And so I just was like so again betrayed in the fact that I'm like you are separated and trying to work on things with me and now I find out that you're hanging out with my first ex-husband who traumatized me what and I think that like just snapped I I just had a snapping moment I told him right then I'm like you know what no you obviously don't care to work on this I'm done to me that almost tells me that he mentally was prepared for that for your relationship to be completely over because you don't do that to somebody you love if you really want to fight through this you run in the exact opposite direction that he did and instead of running to hang out with some guy who literally traumatized you he would be making a plan to try and fix this which obviously is not what happened so you guys end up getting a divorce Mm -hmm. what happens with this friendship here that i (laughs) on tiktok what goes on there so i'm trying to think of the exact timeline it was around tax season so probably in like the late winter early spring of the following year because this would have happened in the fall so fast forward a few months and And me and ex number two start communicating about how do you want to handle taxes? And again, there was obviously hurt feelings there, but not so much so that it's like, I can never see your face again. So trying to be adults about the situation, I think he'd mentioned something to me when we were returning some items maybe a month prior about like, oh, do you want to file taxes together? I'm like, sure. So following up on that closer to tax season, it was just like, hey, are you still wanting to do this? Yes. Okay, let's make a plan, get together. And right before actually going to see him, it comes to my knowledge that I knew X number one was dating someone also from this community group that they all participate in. Then I find out that X number two is also seeing this partner that X number one is also still dating. So they're in this polyamorous relationship, entanglement. I jokingly on uh, TikTok called it a throuple, but I think at its core, polyamorous relationship with a hinge partner is probably what you would... That takes too long to type out on a TikTok video, so I didn't go that far into depth. But it's, it's not a hook that's going to get people to stop scrolling. It wasn't it. Yeah, the, the hook wasn't there. Okay, so let me get this straight. You have ex-husband number one, ex-husband number two. They are not in a relationship, but they both have a relationship with a separate partner that you have no history. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Yeah. You got it. And so I, I found out about this. And even though, I mean, at the time, I didn't even know if there was no connection in that triangle. Like we know that they meet at the point at the top. I don't know if there's like a horizontal connecting line there either. So I'm very shocked. I'd also, yeah, heard that my second ex-husband was definitely going through like a sense of self-discovery within his like dating life, like maybe more on the LGBT spectrum than like I ever knew, which is totally fine. But, you know, it's just like you're learning learning new things about your partner. And it's like, oh, that's surprising. I did not know that about this person I used to be married to. And then now finding that there is this even deeper connection between him and my first ex-husband. I'm just shocked. Like I'm, it's a, it's a shock to the system. And so I go to file these taxes as I'm driving there. Like I'm going to ex number two's apartment, which is a place he lived in before we were married even. So he just moved back into this apartment. And so I know like the layout and stuff. I'm driving there. I have this sense of dread that something really weird's about to happen. Like, I have no reason to know why I'm feeling that way. I get there. Um, he lets me in at the front door. We walk up these stairs and you come up to the stairs and you turn the corner to the living area. So it's like a total blind spot. So I do that. I'm walking ahead of him, go up, turn the corner. And this person, the shared partner, is sitting on the couch. And this is like a week after I found out about the entanglement. And so I'm that kind of person. If I see an ex, even if it's been years and years out in public. My legs go numb. I get super anxious. Like it just freaks me out. So this like just sent me reeling. I'm like, I'm literally looking at the person who is actively being intimate with physically intimate with both of my ex-husbands, one who has deeply traumatized me. I'm just shocked. I like run him back downstairs and I'm like confronting him. Like you did not say that anyone else was going to be here. Why didn't you at least warn me? And he's getting, he's all sorts of defensive. What? I can't have someone I care about be here for me? I'm like, you know, that has nothing to do with it. Like, this is very different. You're bombarding me with a person who's a, like, your current partner. This is still fresh. You didn't tell me. And then they're also actively with my first, like, my first ex-husband. This is weird. This is, no, like, so much, there's so much to it back here about why this was wrong of you to do. And then some other words were exchanged. I was like, you know what, let's just get this over with and not have to talk to each other anymore. Went up, filed taxes. They sat there on the couch, silent the entire time, almost like they were chaperoning us. It was so, so strange and uncomfortable. It's so beyond bizarre to me that he needed emotional support for you to come do your taxes with him. Should you have brought your emotional support person? Honestly, I apparently should have. I, I regret now not also bringing some firepower. Could not believe. But yeah, it was deeply uncomfortable, but luckily nothing extra loaded after that happened. Fast forward like a couple weeks later. We had a lot of shared mutuals on social media still from school. So like colleagues and peers ends up making this post about how he's so glad that his ex-wife's other ex-husband came into his life so they could heal each other from my... This is like the most wild set of accusations I've ever heard directed towards me. They said that I was a gaslighter, I was financially manipulative, and that I was verbally abusive. And then my friends were still friends with him on social to probably keep tabs on him for the plot or whatever and start sending me screenshots of this like can you like have you heard about this can you believe this like look at what they're saying about you and I was shocked do you have any idea why they would say that about you like is there an incident that they're referring to I have like spent a lot of time unpacking that and that like caused a lot of self-doubt for me because there was a lot especially in x number one where I felt like I was very much the victim of that situation and so 
having to like look at yourself and be reflective and be like, was I the problem? Is it me? A lot of that, like I really can't. Like I feel like to unpack a couple of those, like gaslighting, truly no one could be a worse gaslighter than X number one. Even if I participated in some gaslighting of my own, I don't think anyone takes the trophy quite like he does. And I think a lot of us maybe even unintentionally do it. You know, you kind of have to walk yourself through your own motivations of things you've done. So I think really gaslighting, financial manipulation, verbal abuse, all of those, I can't think of a single serious instance where it could be labeled as a character trait. I'm not a perfect person. I'm sure I've said something in the heat of the moment that wasn't kind. But does that make me a verbally abusive person? I don't think so. Did I maybe defend myself with some words that could have been like labeled gaslighting at one point in time during an argument or something? Maybe. And maybe that could have been defined as gaslighting. But does that make me inherently a gaslighter through and through? Do I have like a long enough track record of doing that to be labeled those things? I personally don't think so. <laughs> I'm like, I'm a very objective person. I'm not going to say that I never did anything wrong in my marriages. I'm sure I did. But I definitely, and I think the fact that he had to post about that and make it public and make a big show of it, I think says a lot more than what the truth actually would be. Yeah. Because no. I never said anything. This is truthfully like one of the most first times in over six years that I've actually publicly spoken about my experiences. And it's like if anyone should be speaking about anything that someone did wrong, it's like I feel like I take the cake there. No, you absolutely have every right to talk about your experience and what you learned because you have been through so much. I mean, two divorces by your in your mid-20s. Both of them, well, the second one, I understand there's less trauma yeah. from your previous two relationships that you mentioned earlier in, in the start of this podcast. I can imagine have contributed to a lot of challenges as you grow and you move on and you yeah. go on to date other people. How have you been handling that? So after X number two, I did decide I wanted to take some time for myself. I ended up getting an apartment by myself. You know, I was able to get through college and finally get my degree. And so I was focusing a lot on my career. I was dating you know, for funsies. But I was very much approaching it from a, let's just go out and get to meet people and get to know people. And I'm not setting out looking for marriage. I also had made like a resolution that I would not ever consider marrying someone or getting engaged to someone unless I'd lived with them before. So there was definitely like some lifestyle changes I had made a decision of in that same period. And yeah, I spent some time alone and I processed a lot of emotions. I think it was during that time where I actually actually finally realized that I had been so hung up on that idea of X number one for a long time and that I sort of kept gravitating towards shows of affection that were actually love bombing and stuff like that. And so having to catch myself in those vicious cycles through the process of dating, but then also learning like how to be alone, like going home and doing things with myself for myself. I got a dog too, which actually helped a lot with the loneliness issues. <laughs> that was kind of how I ended up unpacking a lot of it, learning that I needed to be alone and be okay with being alone. And I honestly was getting really comfortable with being alone before I met like my current partner. So people would save themselves a lot of relationship trauma if they would just get a dog or a cat <laughs> running into the arms of some of these fools. How has your feelings on marriage and long-term relationships changed since this experience? So you just mentioned that you're in a new relationship. Do you see marriage in your future? Or is that something that you don't value in the same way anymore? 
I am actually married now to my third husband, <laughs> which we love, right? Granted, like my last divorce was when I was 23 and I'm now 26 and we just recently got married for the taxes, honestly. And I think that says a lot about my feelings towards marriage. Governed by our current tax system, like it just serves you better to have that piece of paper. So we did a very casual elopement where we just signed papers. We are doing more of a family celebration this summer, actually, to actually, he wanted that opportunity with his family. He's Dominican and they take weddings very seriously. And so his family would have been very upset if they didn't get some sort of party with us to actually commemorate the occasion. So we are like actively planning that. But yeah, I, uh, I'm i firmly a believer in marriage is a construct. It's a piece of paper. I think just the premise of like saddling yourself with someone for life shouldn't be taken lightly. That's something that I've had to grapple a lot with the culture I was brought up in in Utah is that you're pressured so hard into just, you know, get married quickly, get married young. Like, don't don't date for very long if you're of marrying age. Don't have a long engagement. Don't cohabitate. Don't be physically intimate before you get married. Like, all these pivotal pieces that contribute so much to the success of a marriage, you are barred from ever participating in before you're expected to pair yourself for eternity with someone. I had very much been taught to believe that. And so I had to do a lot of retraining myself of how I thought about those things. But yeah, so I definitely changed the way I approached it the second time, I wasn't even actively looking to date anyone seriously. We just sort of stumbled upon each other, ended up having a lot of shared life experience. We'd also both done a lot of unpacking individually. Oh, I'm hurting so bad and you're hurting so bad. Let's make each other not hurt so bad. It was more like getting to discuss like, you know, why things happened and why things affected us a certain way and what, what we'd learned from those experiences. So it was a very different experience than maybe the trauma bonding I had with X number two. Um, so I'm happy to say like it wasn't like that at all. And then, yeah, we did live together beforehand and really got to see how compatible we were. And I also had to learn very quickly that he wasn't love bombing me. And that didn't mean he didn't like me very much or that he didn't love me at all because he wasn't like showering me in over the top affection. That was a really big growth opportunity with me, with my current husband. A lot of things were learned leading into my current relationship and, you know, I continue to learn those things as well. He's very patient because there's still impacting. There's still trauma I'm dealing with to this day that, you know, I don't even fully recognize all the time. So he's very understanding and we always come at it from a place of like love and understanding. We both try to take a lot of ownership when we're doing something wrong, which is another reason I do not believe any of those accusations they made about me because I'm very much about like, I'll take the ownership. Okay, I screwed up. I'm sorry. Let's just let's talk about it. Let's unpack that. And um, how can we fix it going in the future? Like that's my general approach to things and it, it continues to be so. And it's been really good so far. We've been together about two, three years. It sounds incredibly healthy, the approach that you've taken with this new relationship. I'm sure that has a lot to do with the actual person that you chose as well. Somebody mm -hmm. who's to be a guest, yeah. right? So apart from the obvious glaring issues with your first ex-husband, what would you say separates the relationship dynamic that you have with your now husband versus your exes? I think we also share a very similar love language than maybe me and my other exes did. It's honestly kind of hard to uh, nail down what theirs was because mine is very much quality time. If you come to the grocery store with me, I'm getting fulfilled in some sort of way in terms of affection and what I need out of early 
relationship. Just that willingness and wanting to be in each other's orbit, even if it's just like we both work at home, he's working on the table, I'm working on the couch, and we like share a conversation here and there. That's meaningful to me. Something that my first two ex-husbands could not fulfill, which feels like a very simple ask. Like there were several arguments with ex number two about, couldn't you just come run these errands with me? It would really mean a lot to me if you spent that time with me and just like, no, I want to do what I want to do and I'm going to do it when I want to do it. So there's definitely a much more cohesive relationship dynamic in terms of love languages. He actually also shocks me a lot with the ways that I didn't realize I had to unlearn in my earlier relationships about affection. Like both of my ex-husbands, especially ex-husband number one, weren't big on like displays of physical affection, like holding hands in public or things like that. And my my current husband, he, he loves like holding hands and he'll go to hold my hand and I'll hold it for like five seconds and then I'll release. He's like, why, why don't you want to hold my hand? And I'm just like, it's not that I... I'm just not used to it. It's been so like trained into me not to expect that kind of affection that I just like don't even recognize it when it's being given to me. There's also like a lot of learning in that regard as well. Looking back on the dating experiences you had with ex-husband one and ex-husband two, is there an instance or a moment that you can pinpoint that looking back, you wish you could tell other people like this happened during our courtship and I wish this would have turned me off from that relationship. As someone who's like, always gravitated toward dating older men, evidenced by the fact that I was 18 years old and interested in dating a 27-year-old, I think I've learned a lot about power dynamics and that even if it feels like very chic and very cool to be a young lady dating like a mysterious older guy, it's just risky, you know? And so I definitely have a lot of um, hindsight in terms of like, I should have been focused on dating more age appropriately. So I think that was a big takeaway for me. And then, yeah, a lot of like things I would do differently now, I'm afraid are probably just learned in time and life experience. So I've also had to learn to give my 18 year old self a lot of grace because as a 26 year old woman who's gone through all this life experience now and had time to reflect on it a lot, there's a lot I'd tell myself like, yeah, you should have asked more in-depth questions. You should have asked for to see some receipts on these claims he was making. Like, where are the pictures? Where are the documents? Like, show me the receipts. But I honestly, as an 18-year-old, you might just not think to ask your 27-year-old partner to have to prove things like that to you. And so I've also learned to give myself a lot of grace in the mistakes I made as like a young person. But yeah, I mean, if you if I could tell them, yeah, definitely be show the receipts. Yeah, just taking more time. And again, like giving myself the grace of like, that's definitely not how I was taught or what the climate was where I was going to school and where I was raised. Yeah, it's okay to take time and not to feel like you're in a rush. Marriage can wait. Forever can wait. How have you learned to forgive yourself for, I, I hate calling the relationships mistakes, but I know in hindsight you wished maybe they hadn't happened. So how have you learned to forgive yourself? I think a lot of it is like take ownership where ownership is due. Give yourself comfort and the healing you need for the things that weren't your fault. And so that's why I say like I am really objective about the situation because, you know, I feel like if I just sat there and played the victim, like I never did anything wrong. X number two was completely out of my control just as much as X number one was. That would probably start to eat away at me because inherently that's just not accurate. Like objectively, that couldn't be true that 
I never did anything wrong or made any missteps. And so I think part of that was identifying like, here are the areas where I did mess up or maybe I should have tackled differently or what have you. But then also being able to look at the things that it's like, that was not on me. Not everything is my fault. I couldn't have prevented everything that happened to me there. Like a 27 year old life experienced man came and emotionally and mentally manipulated an 18 year old girl out of a traumatic relationship that he knew all the details about. That's not on me. I think that was one of the biggest things that helped me learn to forgive myself is taking accountability where I could objectively say I played a part in that, but then allowing myself to seek healing for the things where it's like that was something that was done to you. Well, I know to anybody listening 18 to 27 sounds like a pretty dramatic age difference, but there might be another half of people that's like, well, it's only nine years, but those are two completely, completely different phases of life. And yeah, it's probably more deeply rooted in the phases of life. If I was like 28 and he was 37, maybe you could make more of a rational case because you both had some life experience, but 18. Even if you had just graduated college, I mean, 18, like you said, he was in college while you were still in high school. I know everyone jokes about it on TikTok, but really like when you turn 25, you wake up to a lot of things because your frontal mm-hmm. develops and you're like, holy shit. I think that says more about him as a 27-year-old man feeling like it was an equal part partnership to go after someone, which I mean, he even said that 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 himself. He's like, I didn't think you'd be interested in me. At 18, you don't realize how big of a jump nine Mm -hmm. years at that phase of life. Well, we've covered a lot of ground in this interview and you've already given so much um, advice (laughs) and reflected really well in these relationships. So I just want to ask right now if there's anything we haven't covered or anything that you just would like for people to know or any advice, this would be the time. Yeah, I think just sort of like my sign off is like whether you're going through a bad breakup and maybe you were in a manipulative situation or potentially dealing with a narcissistic partner, like I said, give yourself that grace, like figure out like where you can take lessons home for yourself and what you can improve on for the next time or how you can be more protective over yourself in a healthy way, but also recognize not everything's your fault. And whether that's a breakup or a divorce, getting yourself out of a bad situation is never a mistake or a bad thing. Even if people are going to judge you, even if people are going to be bitter afterwards and say mean things about you on social media, do what's going to give you a happy life in the end and don't waste your precious years. Tune in on Thursday for this week's Breakdown Bonus episode. We're going to talk about age gaps and relationships, power dynamics, how religion influences relationships and so much more. I'll see you whenever you decide to tune in next.